We are in, we are in, we are in. This is Spoon. And this is BC. Welcome to Coffee and Call Sheets. And uh, today's guest will be Bobby Thomas, Key Grip, one of the best key grips in the business. Yeah, it was a great talk with Bobby. And Bobby reminded me that um, him and I almost got into a fight. (laughs) (laughs) And I totally (laughs) forgot about that. Well, at least there was no fight here in this small in this small little booth because uh, I would have had to step out and watch you guys go at it. No, me, me and Bobby, we weren't at odds. We weren't like uh, ready to throw down or anything like that. We, we were just, we were heated. It was one of those early morning sort of pressure cookers and we all had to kind of get in, in a van and, you know, right. it just, there was a lot of tension. Right. Him and I were not at odds. He was not cursing me out. I wasn't telling him to go fuck off or anything like right. that. It was just he was pissed and I was pissed. And being the type of guys that we are, we didn't say shit to each other. <laughs> it, was right, just, right, right. it was just palpable in the and, moment. Yeah, you could see, you could feel it. Yeah, everyone feel felt attention. it in that moment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you're you're doing your job and he's trying to do his job. Yeah, and I respect him. I respect him for plenty of other reasons. Um, that that, like I said, I totally forgot about that whole incident. That's why I like Bobby so much. Right. Yeah, I like him so much. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> good man. Good man. You know, one of the things I don't very often advertise to anybody is the fact that I don't drink. I don't drink and I don't use drugs or anything like that. Um, maybe I'm kind of like a Zappa kind of dude. Most people think it's like, oh yeah, you must smoke. And so I'm like, no, nah, I, I don't smoke. <laughs> I don't, I don't drink. And, and it's not because I think that stuff is bad. I just know what doesn't work for me. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, everybody has to know uh, their limits. Everybody has to know what they can do. Um, you know, yeah. so it's so weird. I was, uh, like, I don't, I don't really drink either. Not, and when I say I don't really drink, it's like I, I don't drink to get drunk. And I really don't, you know, a beer to a week. And well, uh, you know, that was the thing is, is like when I tell, sometimes when I do tell people that I don't drink, they're, they're like, well, are you sober or are you California sober? <laughs> Meaning like, do, you know, you don't drink alcohol, but you do everything else. Right, 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 right. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. I'm a Coke fiend. I mean, <laughs> but I'm California sober. Uh, but um, I didn't know what California sober was when they said it. And, right. and I was like, what's what's California sober? Uh, you know, that's the first time I ever heard that. Yeah, well, I, th- I think this is a term that people outside of California use. Uh, and, and, these, and the person I was talking to lived in Brooklyn at the time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but I mean, the one thing about weed... I think, which is a little bit strange for me, is that the laws have changed and the culture has changed. The attitude towards towards marijuana, cannabis, call it what you will, um, has really, really changed. Yes, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, California has always been known for cannabis. Um, The uh, chronic. The chronic, exactly. There's There's an album named after that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of our, and a lot of our celebrities here definitely partake and they've made it known, you know, Snoop. Yeah. Woody Harrelson. Mm-hmm. Um, and many others. But um, the thing about Proposition 64, which legalized marijuana, one of the cool things was is that 
it it also did some um, reforming in the laws and in sentencing. So some of the people who had gone to jail for cannabis-related uh, crimes were being released, and some of their crimes were being expunged. I mean, if you were, if you were a, if you were a person who they they deemed it wasn't going to, you know, be detrimental to society, they, you know, you were getting out, and they were, you know, expunging your records, and also in doing that, that what they were doing or what they are doing is helping people who were convicted of these crimes get into the legal cannabis business that's great is it sort of training or is it because it, yeah. my understanding is like I, i've heard a little bit about like sort of incentivizing or making it i don't want to say making it easier but i guess it is making it easier for former cannabis dealers yeah. um be able to start their own businesses right yes exactly so they were giving the opportunity to know how to be growers so you know and uh the opportunity uh, to learn how to open a business, like you were saying, and to open the business. Right. And, you know, these dispensaries. Does that include, like, small loans? That I don't know. I, I, don't, I'm, I don't know that. I, I would imagine yes, but I don't know that for sure. Um, but it, it, I would think they would show you how to get some type of capital right. to, to open it up. <laughs> it's like, all right, you got all this, this, you got all this knowledge. Now go rob somebody and get, get yeah. somebody. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, that's great. I think that that's great because, you know, to take, take for instance, a character, a character that we know both know very well mm-hmm. in Franklin Sate, the sort of yes. lead character of the Snowfall. TV, CV series Snowfall. Here's a guy who was smart he was talented he was ambitious he was capable and he just didn't have the opportunities that someone similar to himself in a different environment of a different race ethnicity social class um would have been afforded and what he gravitated to trying to build off of his talents his strengths his 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 motivation and ambition in life it only seemed to lend itself to an illegal activity and to be able to now now that a lot of these people whose lives have been sort of put on hold and have been penalized to right. give them an opportunity to redeem themselves redeem their reputation and to use uh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. And no, I, that's okay. I didn't mean to. I hate when people say that. You do mean to p- cut people off because you do it. So I apologize for that. Let me interject. Yeah, let, me, let me interject. <laughs> no. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I know what you're saying, but you need to listen to what I'm saying. So, um, yeah, I think that I think that is really, uh, I think that's a wonderful thing to do. Is like, I, I know there's laws but I don't ever. I've never known anybody who was high on weed go out and just commit mass murder. Well, it's. I think it's a, one. It's a great thing that the state is helping these people to sort of take the skills that they've developed, right, and their sort of natural aptitude, so that they are not left behind. Exactly, and, and given the opportunity to 
fend for themselves. Yeah, but you know, but that's the thing is that the the lack of opportunity that those people had early on led to you know led to them going down a certain a certain path because you know I've seen plenty of other people in my life that were not deprived opportunities. They had someone, you know, say, "Hey, you come on over here. I'm going to put you on. Right. I'm going to I I got a job for you with the city. I got a job with you over on the stock exchange. I got something for you." Right. And when you don't when you I think when you grow up without those opportunities readily available, it's it's really hard to Especially when you're ambitious, it's really hard to say to yourself, well, yeah, I, I should turn down $5,000 a week. <laughs> and not many people are going to do that. No. I mean, in our industry, we reach down and say, hey, yeah, hey, you, exactly. get on over here. Exactly. I got a spot for you. Right. And that's usually family one of your members. Right. Look, every family members. Right? Family members. I mean, I've had my son, my nieces, my nephews close friends, um, just giving them the opportunity uh, that I didn't have. I, I really wanted to get them into business because I enjoyed the business, mm -hmm. right? And I knew you can make some money. Right. You know, you can make, you can make some money in it. So I've always um, reached out to my, to my family members. And, and in this business, it's very much so that people bring in their family members. Yeah, and, and I'm not against it. You know, I didn't have anyone in the industry, um, in my family, but I'm not against it to see no. other people bring up their relatives, yeah. their, their children, their siblings. Like I, I met a stunt guy and I was a little bit shocked, you know, to find out that he's a fourth generation stunt. Yeah. Uh, Man, yeah, you know, his father was a stuntman, his grandfather was a, a stuntman, and his great grandfather was a stuntman, yeah, family business. And he's got kids who are gonna be that are gonna go in, yeah, yeah, four generations, yeah. five generations. I did like you, I, I have my just my daughter, and I got her on, yeah, you know, because yeah, she worked with us as a PA on a uh, snowfall, yeah, and and it, I really didn't expect her to work in the industry you know i wanted to give her the opportunity to just see exactly maybe there was something that she would want to pursue um but i was right i wasn't banking on her deciding to make a career out of working in the film industry what i was banking on and it's hard to quantify but the hope and the goal was that even a few days working on set was going to give her valuable experience so that she was that much more capable than the next person at the next job. Right. Okay. I see what you're saying. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. Because that's the thing is that just because you're not going to work at Barnes and Nobles the rest of your life or in that deli the rest of your life doesn't mean that you're not gaining valuable like work experience, works, work experience and, and skills knowledge yeah. people skills yeah i mean my, my first job was my very first i don't say my first job but a real job was hewlett packard my mother was my mother worked at hewlett packard and she got me in the, the only thing about that is you're, you're basically a political hire you have to be 
on your toes. Because, not that I want to disappoint my mom, I just didn't want her pissed at me. That, that's called disappointing your mother. Okay. Right. <laughs> or that's called pissing off your right, mom. Yeah, yeah. I guess, mom, I, guess, right. I guess a disappointment. I mean, you know, there's a disappointment. disappointment like, you could be sad. Yeah, she'd be sad. That she, it, she's like, I, you know, I'm like, I got you this job and you did what? Yeah, that, before they fire you, I'm going to fuck you. <laughs> 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 then you got to hear that. And, I mean, you should, you should want, even when you're give, given a job like that and it's nepotism, you should want to go in with the job and do the best you possibly can and make that and make the person that referred you happy that they did refer you. You know, and it's interesting because in our industry, very often people are bringing on relatives. It's not uncommon to see some form of nepotism yeah. in, in the ways that people are getting into the industry or, or have gotten into the industry. But the thing about that, like, like you were saying, the expectation as a political hire is not that you can kind of coast. Exactly. Like, like, I don't have I, I don't have a problem with you bringing in you know some young member of your family it uh, you know on into the the team. The only problem I would have, and I think this is where nepotism would go wrong, but nobody does this, is then to take someone fresh, new, green, and put them in charge of people that have been doing this for. X number of years. years. Like that doesn't happen most often. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've rarely seen that happen. But, yeah. but I mean, I, I get that you you should, if you're being brought in, you're brought in at the bottom floor. Yeah. I mean, you may have the opportunity to move up faster, but you still need to know, you still need to know the job from the ground up. Yeah, there's a little bit of, I, for lack of a better term, gray area. I think people do give some preferential treatment, of course, to you know the the children or siblings um, or relatives of some well loved coworker that they've worked with. They may kind of give them a leg up or give an implicit bias to them, and like, oh, they're they're great, they're great right, at right. their job, and right. really what they're saying is that. They're great because their uncle or their aunt or whomever is great in right. their opinion. So I'm going to give them, I'm going to give, like you said, a, a, a bias. It's like, oh, I like him. So I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that I like you. Yeah. I'm going to call you more right. often than exactly. I'm going to call that other person exactly. that has no connections. Right. Exactly. You know, and you're probably going to get more calls and more jobs that way, right. gain more experience, develop your network. So there is a little bit of a gray area in that regard in terms of how nepotism plays out and benefits or perhaps unfairly benefits mm -hmm. the beneficiaries right. of but nepotism. You have, but you have to, once, but once you get in to stay in, you've got to do the work. Yeah. You're not going to last that long. Even yeah. if you, even if your relative is like, you know, well loved and super good at what they do. If you're a doofus, yeah. you, nobody's going to want no one's you around. Gonna, yeah. It's like, Oh, you think you get them on? Ah, oh, damn. I well, would, I would, I would, <laughs> but you know, yeah, I, I really need somebody seasoned or <laughs> would be the worst. We because, already hired. Right. Them. Yeah. We're yeah, full. I already got like two political hires. Like, or who? we've got a we've got a hundred we've got a hundred PAs. 
Oh yeah, I've got already. I've got ninety. I've got ninety. I got a few days coming up where we're gonna need additionals, <laughs> so I'll, I'll definitely reach out. Right. Yeah, and then that those Big days. Then those come. days go kind of come and go. Oh, yeah. oh man, I was really busy. My bad. Really. Yeah, we, yeah, I told we, you. you got to keep. You got to remind me. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, someone that worked his own way into the industry. Yeah, Bobby Thomas. Bobby Thomas. Don't get fooled just because Bobby's roommate was John Singleton. Yeah. <laughs> that's not the reason why Bobby Thomas is successful. Bobby Thomas is successful because he's one of the hardest working key grips, smartest, most professional guys in the biz. Yes. Yes. So uh, we're glad to have Mr. Thomas today. Yeah. Bobby. Um, Bobby has been working in the industry since uh, the early 90s. Yeah. He's been doing it for a long time. Uh, he did Boys in the Hood. He did Poetic mm. Justice, obviously, with his connection with, with John. Yep. And, um, but he's also done Sons of Anarchy. He did uh, Santa Clarita Diet and um, the show that you and I worked on, Snowfall. Snowfall, yeah. All right, guys. Well, sit back and relax and uh, listen to the man, the myth, the legend. Key grip. Bobby Thomas. How's a uh, how's the youngster? He's doing well. Um, you know. Oh, that's right. He's still over at Keslo. He's at Keslo right now. Um, you know, luckily he's, you know, survived layoffs. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, he's seen a lot of his coworkers, you know, get furloughed and laid off and stuff like that. And yeah. you know, it's, it's been a stressful situation for him because you know he's, you know, living out on his own, paying his rent. And, oh, so you know, so, where's he at? Um, he he shares an apartment with his girlfriend in Sherman Oaks. Oh, okay. You know, so yeah, the girlfriend's a high school high school teacher. You know, he survived all the layoffs and yeah, stuff, and that's know, still, uh, you know, learning to be a prep tech over there. Oh, and, good, uh, good, good. He'll eventually um, go Come, back right. on the set eventually, but you but know, he's going to go back as a second as opposed to just a yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly, yeah. exactly. Then that's you know the guys from Snowfall are the ones who, um, like Jose, is like, hey man, you need you know, say in Fernando, right, right. Were the ones who's like, hey man, you should just go work for at Keslo, and then you know you that'll, that you'll. You, you, get learn to learn, you get to learn yeah. everything, and also when you prep tech, you get to meet everybody. Right, exactly. You know, so yeah. it's like, you know, and Robert Keslow is great. You know, I've, yeah, you know, you I, know. I've never, I, I met him like once or twice, but he's actually another person that we're going to try to get on. He's awesome, man. I mean, yeah. I, I go back to uh, like music video days okay. with Robert when he was an assistant. Well, right, well when, before. Because I heard he, he had started off, he was like renting cameras. Right. For right. like, yeah, like just yeah. personal cameras. Yeah, we were doing um, music videos for like Classic Concept at the time. And that was a uh, music video company out of New York. Uh -huh. uh, Lionel Martin, who was a very well-known um, director. Uh, we did a lot of like um, like TLC and okay. uh, Belle DeVoe and, <laughs> you know, it's like all that, all those 90s R&B. Right, you know, right, the, the right, right. The stuff. music video heydays. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. that, that's how I cut my teeth, man. You yeah. Know, you know, that's, that's, how, that's how really how I started keying. Really? Videos. Yeah, kind of on accident. You know, it's, ah. yeah, it kind of became a, a key. Very Wasn't looking to be a key grip, for okay. sure. You know, that, that was not my goal in life. I kind of just fell into, into that. Yeah. Well, how did that happen? Well, um, you know, I was, I mean, I was in my early 20s, um, and I was best boying for a key grip um, who, you know, he was, he was a great key grip, but, you know, he had a very bad cocaine problem. Ah. And uh, he would do a lot of no-shows. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where we would go in, get started, start, and he wouldn't show up. Wow. 
and we did a, a line of um, uh, of these videos for this company. We were like their LA crew. Right, so every right, time they right. came to LA, they used us. Right. Um, and we would work for maybe we'd do like five or six at a time with them. And, um, you know, after like the third no-show, you know, and I, I would have to step in and key. You didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> um, but... Um, you were getting the job done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you know, one day... Um, uh, the, the, the AD is like, okay, Bobby, we got this job next week. You know, you know you're our key grip. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. I'm not, I'm not you right. know, no, that's not, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not ready to key it. It's like, right. you just keyed three jobs with us so far. We, we're, we're totally confident with you. You know, you're our key grip. And, you know, I just want to work. Right, right, exactly. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's you like. You trying to, like, muscle. No, man, I, mean, I, I just want to work, man. I, you know, I, I'm just a grip looking for a job. That's all. Okay. You know? And it's like, yeah, and that's, I'm keying ever since, man. Well, how did you want to become a grip? Like, you yeah. no camera, no electrician? Well, and that was another thing that it was totally by accident. Um, well, back, back in school days, um, uh, I had a, a roommate named Brian Bellamy. Uh, may he rest in peace. Um, I, you know the Bellamy brother, Bruce Bellamy, Brian Bellamy. I think I know Brian. You probably did. You yeah. probably did. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I did a bunch of music videos. Yeah, like yeah. Too. Brian, you know, Brian was kind of like a jack of all trades. He did everything. AD. He, um, you know, directed. He did camera. He shot. You know, he did everything. And um, knew him at SC. He was a little older than us. Uh -huh. um, he, he was like, you know, we were like nineteen, and he was like thirty. And you know he, but he rolled with us, and that was right. he was actually one of John Singleton's early mentors okay. in film school. He went to SC film school. Gotcha. But you're at USC, and Brian Bellamy mm -hmm. is also at USC with mm -hmm. you. Yes, he, yeah, he's in film school. Now, where did you originally? Where are you originally from? I'm from. I'm born, and raised in LA. You're South, born and South raised Central. in LA. Yeah. South and Central. you just and you were studying film at USC. Oh no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I mean, I, I. You know, I. I didn't do school very well. <laughs> you did it like, well enough to go to USC. Uh, you know, I, I did. I didn't spend very much time in the classroom. <laughs> like that. Um, I, I. But I definitely benefit from the people I met there. Right. Um, but you know, Brian and Bruce. Um, Bruce was his brother. Was an art director. Matter of fact, he was the art director on Boys in the Hood. Oh wow! Okay. And um, you know, I, it, he he one summer he's like, hey, you know, you want a summer job? I'm like, oh yeah, I need you know I need a summer job. And he's like, well, you know, I know this person who's hiring um, uh, set dressers, you know, swing gang set dressers right, 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 on right. this uh, on this TV show. And, you know, and the, the, the uh, money was like five hundred dollars flat um, for the week. <laughs> you know, but you know, you're, you're talking. Right, yeah, this is like 1989. Yeah, so you know, I, I had never made that much money. <laughs> right, hundred dollars a day. You're right, yeah. right. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And and you know, quickly discovered I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> um, hated every minute of it. Hated every minute of it. But you know, by looking and watching grips. You know, at work, I'm like, oh, that's that's a lot. Looks a lot more interesting to me. And, right. um, kind of took a liking to that. And uh, one of the um, grips on the show um, said, hey, you know, if you want to do that, you should just like go around town and offer to work for free. And literally, it's like after that was over, after I was done with that, um, I, you know, that's what I do. He said, go drive around town. You know, and if you find a production, you know, stop and go to the grip truck, electrical truck, and introduce yourself and you know, offered offered to work for free, and that's you know some some people go to tell you to take a hike, some people you know you know they, they, they take you on, and you know right. it's like I did that for a year and a half, almost two years. 
Wow. You know, and it's like slowly. But you were in school at the time. Yeah. 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 Uh, some, some. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat. Yeah, well, I, that's at, by the time I wanted, knew I wanted to be a grip, I, I let go of school completely. Gotcha. Um, you know, that's, I kind of like, you know, like quitting and joining the circus pretty much. Right. <laughs> yes. Because um, it is. I just call us carnies with yeah, good diddle Yeah, that's totally it. And, um, <laughs> but, you know, and then also too, you know, I asked one, the grips like, well, well, what do you guys make? You know, he's like, oh, well, we make 25 bucks an hour. You know, I'm like, doing the math I'm like, well, that's a lot better than 500 flat right, exactly. you know so it's like I'm like okay this is what I want to do and it's you know that's you know that's that's all it took so now you went to you were at SC and that's where you met John yes yeah we were we were roommates we lived in a house with uh, eight other brothers oh okay um, and um, <laughs> a lot of characters in that house um, John I'm telling you John was probably the least dynamic personality wow. in, of all of all the guys you right. know it's like we there was it's, it's a motley crew uh, and I, I, we could we could talk for five hours on, on that particular group. I mean, when I when I met John, I mean, I didn't find John to be you know the biggest you know personality on set or anything like that. I mean, he he had a great presence. Well, you know the thing about John though, John, you know he was the, the one guy in school that you met who knew exactly what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. From the, you know he was like you know. I'm going to make movies. I'm going to do this and that. I'm like, oh, yeah, a word? really? Okay. <laughs> right, right, you right. Know? I mean, matter of fact, um, he let me read, um, which was at title at the time, Summer of 84, which was the Boys in Hood script. Okay. And um, at the time, you know, I, I had just got kind of introduced to the industry and um, had known enough that to know that, you know, cameras were expensive. And he was telling me, oh, we're going to shoot this movie in the hood and this and that. And, you know, and I read the script. I said, this is fantastic. Right. And I said, there's no way they're going to let you make, make, take them expensive cameras in the hood, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bro, I mean, you know, you're talking about the hood I grew up in. I'm like, I, I ain't going to have it, bro. I said, you want to shoot this, what, on Cim- Cimarron on 54th? No. No. <laughs> you know, it's like that and that. You know, and he's like, no, no, I'm going to direct it, too. I'm like. I said, they ain't going to collect your 22-year-old ass direct a movie, man. You know? right, right. But he was he was focused, and you know he's the most focused, determined dude I've ever met. Wow. And, uh, you know, I mean, the rest is history, bro. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, it's like, exactly. you know, and, and then, you know, John, very first thing he did was a, a video called 06 Style. And we, you never heard of him. <laughs> you never heard of him. But, you know, John directed it, and um, Brian Bellamy shot it. No, he produced it. And um, that was, like, the very first grip thing I ever ever did um, but um, yeah it's like it's, it's funny because I, I kind of worked on John's very first thing and I worked on his last thing yeah so it's kind you, of a and you guys stayed in contact throughout, throughout yeah well you know during you know I worked on Boys in Hood Poetic Justice and Higher Learning as a grip yeah oh yeah, okay yeah I was I was a grip on Boys in the Hood that's where I got my union days okay um, Poetic Justice I was the best boy and I was also the best boy on Higher Learning Nice. Um, but after that, um, I, I started kind of gravitating into television, um, and John stayed in feature world. Right, so right. you know, after higher learning, you know, our paths really didn't cross professionally. I mean, we were still boys and everything. Right, you know? right, right. But um, you know, professionally, we didn't work together until I did the, the third season of Snowfall. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah I was going to say I was I was looking at some of the stuff that you've done and. Um, like since 2000, you've pretty much been doing television mostly. Yeah, yeah. And I look back exclusively. At, yeah, and I look yeah. back at like some. Uh, I'm, I'm. These are to me. These are like classics. Like you, <laughs> you know, in your first ten years, you, you know, you did BAPS. Yeah. You did Higher Learning. Yeah. Um. You did Sugar Hill. You yeah. did Poetic Justice. Mm-hmm. You did Menace to Society. Yeah. You did House Party Three. Yeah. I know I some would debate whether or not that's a classic. <laughs> 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 but it's on my list. <laughs> um. 
what happened? What? Why did you make the change? How did you make the change? I started having kids. Um, you know, so it's like, you know, like when I was doing features, I mean, I did a, a lot of stuff out of town too, you know, not a lot of stuff that's like online IMDb, but I, you know, I was, I was traveling a lot and, um, you know, started having kids and, you know, I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to miss anything. Right. You know, it's like, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to be around my kids long enough to get on their nerves. <laughs> you know, I mean, if they're going to, you know, they're going to resent me anyway. Right, exactly. I might as well, <laughs> so I might as well you know, be here to give them a reason. Right, exactly. You know, but it, not being around wasn't going to be one of them. Ah. You know, I, you know and I wanted to stay married. Yeah. And it's interesting that you, you frame it that way because I think for some people they would think it really doesn't matter whether or not you're working on a film or you're working on uh on television, they're they're all the same, aren't they? No, they're no, no. Well, it's, well, this is a TV town. Um, you know, if you want to go work on features and stuff, you go to Atlanta and stuff like that. Now, you know, nowadays, yeah. yeah. And uh, but you know, it's television. You you have because I also I you know I did um, I, I did a lot of sitcoms too. Mm. Oh wow, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, it just kept, it it had a, you know a structure and, and a schedule that you know was always going to be consistent. Right. You know, and you know, feature you go we work for you might work for it on you know, for three months or something like that. Right. You know? And you know, TV was a lot longer gig. Right. That's you know? back back in the day when yeah. we did twenty two a season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And also too, you know, I had a very you know, first of all, I, I worked um, when I was doing primarily television. I worked for the same DP for 16 years. Who? Uh, Paul Maybaum, a ASC. Um, he um, he did he, he we did Sons of Anarchy. Did all season all seven seasons of Sons of Anarchy. We, okay. I've done probably over 600 episodes of television with Paul. Wow. Um, little background on Paul. Um, his father, Richard Maybaum, was the um, the, uh, cre the the creative behind James Bond. Really? Get oh, yeah. out of here! Yeah, yeah. he was serious? the creator of James Bond. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. I thought it was the broccoli guy. Mm, uh, Richard Maybaum wrote all those scripts. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Matter of fact, Richard Maybaum was also, I think, president of the, of the Writers Guild at, mm. at one time. He was a very, very powerful man in Hollywood. For, right. Okay. Back in the day, but that you know that, that's Paul's dad. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Is Paul still working? He um well he you know. He he hasn't used the R word with me, retirement. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we 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 haven't um, done done anything since uh, Santa Clarita Diet, and that was 2019, I believe it was. He's taking a break. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we did sta Station 19. We did the first se season of Station 19 together. We did a lot of, a lot of television together. Wow. And uh, he he actually went to go. Um, Teach at USC for a while because mm -hmm. I've helped him with te teaches teach a few classes and stuff there. Oh, nice! And um, yeah, we've been. I mean, that guy. I owe. I owe that guy. I mean, I owe a lot to John, but you know, I owe more to Paul Maybaum because wow. he was he was the guy who really, really established me as a, you know a, a, a solid you know real key grip in this town. Well, how did you How did you get in with uh, Paul? Um, well, it, it was back when everybody was going digital. And um, early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, and he, you know, he, he um, wanted to do a show that was digital, so he had to go do a sitcom because I was the only, you know, medium that was doing digital at the time. Right, right. hasn't hadn't gotten into single camera world yet. Right. Um, and I had done a show um, called um, uh, My Big Fat Greek Life. With, um, based on the movie? Based on the movie. Okay. Um, Short-lived television show, but I worked for a DP named Gil Hubs, and Gil Hubs and Paul were neighbors in Pacific Palisades. And Paul had never done for camera before and asked Gil, like, hey, you know, I need a recommendation for a key grip because uh, I'm going to do this. You know, we did a show called Run of the House. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, we yeah, that was our our introduction. I mean, I did you know with one episode with him, and uh, you know it's funny because it's like the first, after the season was over, you know, I I didn't think he liked me. <laughs> you know, I, I really, really, it's like he, you know, I, I thought, okay, well, this is over. I'll never work for this guy again. And right. that was did, it. Did you like him? Yeah, I, 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 yeah. But he was, you know, he's, he's kind of, you know, he, he's not, I guess, you know, he, he's not the warmest guy right away. And he's uh-huh. very like, you know, very right. regimented and, you know, he's, he's very, very all, all about the work. Um, and then I saw him at contract services back when, you know, everybody was taking safety classes. Right. 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 And I ran into him in the hallway, you know, it was like, this is probably like three weeks after we wrapped. And like you know, I said, "Hey, Paul." And he goes, "Hey, Bobby." I'm like, "Hey, Paul." He's like, "Hey, why you doing?" He's like, "Hey, we got another show." I'm like, "We do." <laughs> <laughs> we do. Goes, oh yeah, yeah. You available? I'm like, uh, "Yeah, yeah, I am." I was really taken aback because I I didn't think he liked me very much. But wow. you know, 16 years later, yeah, like, nice. you know, it's like you know, yeah. I mean, he's I mean, he's I, I owe him so much. You know, he he really believed in me, and you know, it's like there was no issues with uh, hiring people of color. And, you know, no issues with that. Never did, said, like, you know, don't hire this person or that person. You know, he was completely accepting and completely supportive. Right. And uh, he, I, I love him. I love him. Just speaking on that, when you when you became a key grip, there weren't that many brothers as key grips at the time, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> and especially my, at my age. Right. Um, I, you're I, pretty young. Well, I started, I, I did my first um, sitcom. It's called Nick Freno, the Licensed Teacher. Um, it was things with the CW. At the mm-hmm. time, and I was 25, oh. and which is very, very young for a key grip, and right. you know, unheard of for a key grip of color. Right. Um, as a matter of fact, when we, when we were starting that show up at Warner Brothers, um, the grip foreman uh, came over like looking for the key grip, and he walked up to me. He's like, you know, he said, "Hey, hey, hey, young man, who's, who's <laughs> you know, let me, you know, where's the key grip at?" And I'm like, "What can I do for you?" And he like looked me up and down. He's like, "No, no, I want to talk to the key grip." I'm like, what can I do for you? And he like, and he like walked away from me and left. Wow. wow. You know, and then it's like, you know, then like two hours later, he comes back. <laughs> I guess he made me made, made call somebody. Right. Um, you know, and it's like, he's like, you know, he's like, how old are you? And I'm like, 25. What can I do for you? You know, and uh, yeah, I've, I've had that issue, you know, for all through my 20s. Wow. You know, because people thought I was too young or right. whatever. But, you know, I'm here, bro. So... L.A., what part of L.A. did you grow up in? Uh, Lemur Park, Crenshaw District. Okay. You know. You go to Crenshaw? No. <laughs> I went to no, Crenshaw. Not, hey, don't knock on Crenshaw. My father taught there. Right, right. You know, my father was a teacher oh, there. Really? And, yeah, my father, my father was, you know, the school teacher, vice principal. Uh, my father, you know, he. What years? Um, he was at Crenshaw, seventies. So was I. <laughs> okay, he was like seventy, seventy-eight. Um, Yo, I was there. Uh, you know, Robert Thomas, English teacher, oh. tall, light-skinned brother with afro. I probably yeah, yeah, no, I had to yeah, see him. You like to wear dashiki to work. Power <laughs> 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 to the people. Yeah, yeah. Very, very, my brother, my father was, you know, he was, he was that dude. Right, right, right. <laughs> English you know, teacher, you know, fist, fist up. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, but so, um, I, I, so I, you know, didn't go to Crenshaw. I got bust out to, uh, to uni, West LA. Okay. You know, so, but yeah, I'm you know, born and raised, man. You know, my pops, my pops lived in, you know, my my parents divorced when I was about six. Pops lived in an apartment right above the Crenshaw wall. Crenshaw wall. Oh, you know, really? Those apartments, yeah, like, yeah, right, yeah. right behind the Crenshaw wall. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the Crenshaw wall, guys, it's a it's a mural that uh, depicts the history of Black people in America. Mm-hmm. A lot of local artists yeah. and stuff. It's been you know it's 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 been a fixture in, in the neighborhood for decades, years. Yeah. Because I, I mean, the first time I seen it, it was, must have been like seventy 
five, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to go to Crenshaw very, yeah. very much. I mean, I was a basketball player. All right, but what he just said no. Yeah, he just you know he just he they, you know I mean my my mom too she just she just thought that going to Crenshaw was too dangerous. Yeah, too close. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean you know my mom was like you know she was very you know sheltering and right. you know she didn't she didn't let me and my sisters do much anything outside outside <laughs> outside the house. <laughs> you know it's like you know she was a be be in the house with the streetlights on right, type, yeah, type exactly. of woman. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If I, yeah. Come and run it. Yeah, right, absolutely. Right, right. Yeah. It, did you want to go to USC? I mean, like, was that your goal uh, at that? You know, coming out of high school, was that your goal to go to USC? Because I, I mean, no. I mean, I was, USC. I was, I, I was, um, I was. I played baseball, basketball. Okay. Um, I got some interest um, uh, from some schools uh, when I played baseball. So you played uh, baseball and basketball at USC? Oh, no, okay. no, in high school. In high school. In high school, and then, then it's like I. I so when I, at your point, like, was I trying to go to USC? No, actually, my sisters, my older sisters, were. Just to give you some SC background, both my sisters went to SC. Okay. Just, I have niece and my nephew both went to SC. Oh wow. My oh, my sister Kim has worked at SC for thirty years. You know, ah. she runs a a program at SC called the Neighborhood Academic Initiative, um, and it's basically where she takes. Um, high, uh, kids from sixth grade to high school, and they come to, to um, they they do school on Saturday at USC, and they have a whole curriculum. Oh wow! And basically, you finish that curriculum, and USC basically so pays for it, it, it. Yeah, you, you get a free ride to, to USC or nice. or to the college of your choice. Oh, you wow! Know, but it's like it, it it enables you know neighborhood kids who wouldn't normally get the opportunity. Yeah, yeah exactly. Still, that's a that's yeah. a no brainer. It's easy to do. I mean, I would have loved that opportunity um, when I was yeah. Absolutely. A kid. Yeah. yeah. But I but I was you know, my primarily goal, goal was to play sports. Mm, and right. uh, and I and I suffered an injury that kinda ended all that. Right. And uh, so, you know, I mean I during that time I was kinda I was kinda floundering a little bit. So it's like, you know, school wasn't really a priority. Right. You know, so to speak. <laughs> and your and your sisters are older than you. Yes. So they kinda paved the way and it seemed like a natural Yeah, well it's like, you know, I mean look, my, my father was a teacher. You know, right, my, right, my, right. my my sisters were super academic achievers. And I hated school. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> so yeah, I was miserable. <laughs> no, I, I, no, school. You know, I mean, it just wasn't my thing. Right, you know, right. I, I just, I just, you know, I just. It wasn't, you know. That's why, you know, the industry was, you know, when I, when I discovered it, that, I mean, it was like I, f- I finally found something that, you know, I want, oh, this I can do this. Right. So your first big episodic was that. Um, Sons of Anarchy. Well, uh, I, you know, I I did you know several things before that, um, but Sons of Anarchy was the longest running thing. I did seven seasons of that. Wow. Okay. Um, although the first season, I was I was hoping that the show would get canceled. <laughs> 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 no, it was a very it was a very very tough show. Right. First season, we worked on Snowfall, and Snowfall was not a piece of cake by no, any means. No, and no. I, I know Sons of Anarchy. You know, you worked well, on that before Snowfall. Of, well, what was well, the what, difference? What made Sons of Anarchy so, so um, difficult? First of all, it was it was thirteen episodes, and right. we, it was always it was always from March to October, all through the heat. Oh, and you guys were always shooting out. New Hall, Santa right. Clarita, right. and you know it's like wherever it was 100 degrees that were that's where we shot. <laughs> wow, um, you know it's gonna be 100 degrees, and it's like you know it's like it's uh, the, the the motorcycle aspect of it was challenging because right. you know and to keep people everybody safe. Right, um, you know we had you know we had a lot a lot of stunts, a lot of guns, um, you know, and the the. the the logistical challenges of that, and um, just just like I said, we had we had um, some actors that you know were some real cowboys, and trying to keep them harnessed, and you know 
safe and not you know crashing their motorcycles was you know it was, it was tall right, order right, right. it was a tall order yeah and, I can uh, imagine yeah you know so it's like you know so the show was kind of you know first season was you know ambitious and hectic and you know hot and dusty and dirty right and um, you know if I didn't go back there after season one I would have been totally cool with it right um, but by season five <laughs> four see four five it was a family and you know then yeah. you loved everybody and right. you know you hoped it would never end right <laughs> now did you did you do um did you do Mayans no didn't do Mayans okay mm -mm. All right, because I I did season one of Mayans. I was a day mm -hmm, player. Mm -hmm. Right, David Teakin is a very good, very good friend. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. David is the man. I I worked with him when he was a key. Mm -hmm. when I was a PA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, he's he's probably the best first AD I've ever worked with. Yeah, I mean he's he's he is fantastic. Right, right. He's uh he's UPMing now. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's great. I mean he's he talk about like cool under fire and it never gets razzled. I mean always calm. He's fantastic. Now there was a there's a story that you and I always talk about about the the, the uh, star of the show of Sons of Anarchy. Oh, Charlie Hunnam. Charlie, yes, Charlie mm -hmm. Hunnam, and he he um, he was on some talk show. Yeah, he was on uh, hip, the whole cast was, uh, after they wrapped um, was on Conan O'Brien. Okay, and he he went and told a story about um, a little um, discussion we had um, on the last day of shooting, and uh, you know I was watching with my family live, and you know he goes in the story, and I'm like, is he, he's really about to talk, <laughs> talk about this story? He mentioned me, and you right. know, yeah, it was it was a pretty awesome show. Right, what was the story? Um, well, it's you know we had this the last scene was him this big chase where like all these cops are chasing him, and this is it's his death scene. And uh, he he eventually like runs his motorcycle into a bus, and that's you know he kind of committed suicide. Right. Okay. Um, but you know when he got out, you know we, we everybody in the van's going up to we were on Templin Highway, and he we got out of the van and you know we were kind of had a little we were at the back of it just me and him, and you know I pulled him aside and you know and I just kind of said hey I just want to say before you know everything gets all emotional and everybody says their goodbyes, and I said Jax Teller was a badass motherfucker. <laughs> you know, and he's like, no, and that was it. Right. That was it. You know, and then he, he rehashed the whole thing on Conan. You know, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> you know, I thought that was a private moment between me and you. <laughs> yeah, never, never expected that. Right. Uh, but, you know, my, my wife always gets on me because it's like, you know, I'm not a picture taker. You know, I don't like, you know, go and take pictures with, you know, actors I work with. It's, like, right. it's just not my thing. Like when I was a kid, I, I thought it was weird to ask for autographs. Like, right. <laughs> you know, but when we, she did that, I got turned around and was like, see, that's why I don't do pictures. You know, I only to deal with the stuff that means a lot. Right, right, right. But yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Right. That's cool. Yeah. You um when you did Sons of Anarchy, you overlapped for about three years with a, a show, a sitcom called Baby Daddy. Yes. What was that? What was that like? Well, being able to do a, a multi camera um, was a great balance because you got your ass kicked all summer long, and then you can go on a nice cushy stage and do a sitcom. Right. And it's a whole different, you know. Um, stress it's, and just no stress on a sitcom. It's just you know. I mean, so yeah, we did hundred episodes of Baby Daddy. You know. I know I've had I've had ex the experience of like doing back to back uh, seasons of different shows like and it wears people out. You know, this is what we do. I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's it, for uh, many years I was I was going you know full bore back to back. And you know, you get a month here or there where you can kind of you know 
recharge and stuff. But like I said, you can recharge when you're doing a sitcom because that's not, right. you know, they have a, a unique, um, a great um, schedule because, you know, you'll have, um, on the sitcoms, you'll come in and, you know, you, on Monday you'll, you know, you'll, do, you'll shoot the show in, in front of an audience on Friday. And on Thursday, they'll have like what they call a block and tape day where it's like all the camera people come in and you'll shoot the whole show and get it in the can. And then, you know, like Wednesday is just rehearsal day. So, you know, the, the uh, actors will come in and rehearse from 9 to 12. And then lighting will come in. You know, we'll, we'll watch a run through. And then we'll light, light the sets from 3 to 8 o'clock. You know, or even less, depending right. on what they, if, there's, if, there, if there's not a lot of sets and right. stuff like that. So you can, you know, Monday through Wednesday, you're really only working four hours each day. Wow. You know, so it's like you can have a life. Right, right, right. You know, and then your 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 twelve hour days are your Thursdays and Fridays, and you got your guarantee. So you know, yeah, it was yeah. you know. And what's a guarantee? You're fifty four, fifty four hour guarantee. Oh, they pay you even if you don't work the fifty four. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, yeah, God. you're not going to work the fifty four. <laughs> yeah. not, not on a sitcom. Yeah. No, no. If you know, if you know what you're doing, if you're sitting there lighting for 12 hours, then there's a problem. Right. Because I mean, with the sitcom, it's it's almost the same lighting each week, right? Well, yes and no. Um, you know, you have your permanent sets, mm -hmm. which are, are there every week, but then with every new episode, there's swing sets. Gotcha. So you got to come in and light those new swing sets. Okay. So there's usually like you know, at least at least one. Most of the time it's two, maybe three. Right. But you got to come in and like watch the run through and see where all those actors are right. and where they land, and you have to you know light for those those that that space. Right. So there's one question I need to ask: What is a grip? Well, um, the the best way I could um, describe it is that you know it's camera movement. Mm -hmm. You know, anytime you see a, a dolly on a crane, anytime you see the camera moving, you know, grips are, are have something to do with that. Right. Um, and as far, as far as the lighting goes, um, you know, you have electricians and you have grips. You know, the electricians provide the light. Right. You know, they plug the light, they provide power for the light, mm -hmm. and we modify the light. You ah. know, we, we create shadows is what we do. It's like, so it's like, you know, they turn on the light, you know, we bring in our flags to create shadows. We will, you know, we diffuse the light. Um, you know, we change the light color. But of course, now with LEDs, they can do that in in the lights now. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Is uh, that affecting grip work? Oh, yeah, certainly. It makes it easier. It makes it okay. easier. But there's still other parts of it that you know. I mean, if, if there might alleviate one problem and create another. Oh, you know? right. So right. you know, but it's it's light modification. Gotcha. So you guys aren't working with gels as much as you used. to? Not as much, no. Yeah, because no. it's like you don't need to throw up a, a green or no. A we still do. I mean, we still have gels on frames and stuff like that. But you know, it's not. Not to, to the level as it used to be. Gotcha. You know, I mean, any LEDs, they can just dial up the, the temperature. That, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, and then you guys also, you guys deal with car mounts and... Yeah, I mean, that's, right, you know, ca camera things. support. Yeah. You know, it's like anything that, you know, that supports the camera. It's like if you want to put the camera anywhere, you know, you're going to need a grip to do it. And we did a lot of that on Snowfall. Oh, yes, know, we did. Yeah, we did a lot of that on Snowfall, just putting, you know, it's like, because, you know, Maddox or Elliot would come to me and, like, buy, go to the front of the car and say, I want to put the lens right here. Right. And it's down by the headlight somewhere, looking or looking down the wheel of the car or something right. like that. And, you know, we got to make it work. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it, and that's one of the, that's the essence of grip work is the fact that you kind of make something out of nothing. Hmm. You know, you go in and it's like, and, you know, they think of something and you, you, you find a way to... You have to be a quick problem solver and, you know, and, and work safely and efficiently and, you know, get right. it done. Right. And, and when you say safely, because you're, you're part of the safety 
team on set, right? First aid. Well, that's key grip. Well, back when I first started, the key grip was in charge of safety. Ah. But back when they started doing um, safety classes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, then they started with the safety is everybody's job. Right. Know? But then it's like now it's like it's we're not technically in charge of safety, but that our safety job never went away. No. So yeah. because everybody's in charge of safety. Nobody's in charge of safety. <laughs> I thought it was you. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, and, and I, take, you know, I, I take it very seriously. Because yes. it's like, you know, yes. if there is an accident on a set and you hear about it, what's the first thing you ask? Who is the key grip? Mm. Yes. You always ask who the, who's the key grip on that show. Right, right. You know, and it's like, that, that, is, that, that is the thing that keeps me up at night. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like having an accident on set, it, it's, it's, for me, it's unacceptable. Right. Under any circumstance. Well, my question, if I hear about accidents on set, my question always is, who is the first AD? Yeah, right. Yeah, because now it's like it's technically the first ADs in charge of it. But right. you know, most yeah. most first ADs who are good first ADs know that you have to lean on your key grip for that. Exactly. I mean, if I have a safety meeting, the first thing I do is like, after I have the safety meeting, I look over to the key grip. Absolutely. Like, do you have anything to add to this? Is mm-hmm. there anything that you want to add? Because like you said, when I first came in, the key grip was right. the safety person. Mm-hmm. Look, the best thing that, uh, the biggest compliment that any AD could give me or any UPM could give me um, is tell me is that I'm, I'm, I feel better with you here on set. Right. I'm, I'm confident that you're here. That's, that's the best thing I can hear. Because, you know, that's, that, that's really what I'm there for, to keep everybody safe. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, that's my most important job. You know, it's right. like, you know, I mean, it's, I, mean I, I was at, on a job, you know, a couple years ago, and uh, it, it was a heavy gun job. And, our, you know, the first AD was like, when, you call, we call it, when they're looking at check, doing a gun check, right. you know, it's like, I came in, and, you know, I was like looking, and, he's like, and he looked at me, he's like, what do you need to see? I'm like... I said, are you new? <laughs> yeah. What? I, you know, I said, I said, I need to check the gun as well. Yeah. He said, you do? I'm like, yeah. That is the yeah. dumbest question. But see, that's a, that, I tell you, man, I, in, this, in our industry right now, that is the biggest thing that I think is, it scares me, that keeps me up at night, is that, you know, there's a lot of youngins being, you know, brought up right now. And it's a good thing. It's a great thing. A lot right, of diversity right, yeah, being, yeah, yeah. a lot of inroads in diversity and, right. you know, people getting opportunities. And that's wonderful. But what happens is that, you know, you're, you're pushing people up the ladder that Already. haven't done all the steps. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and, and a lot of times those people that have been, you know, put up there, you know, they're insecure. You know, they don't like to be said, oh, you know, when you come to them and tell them, they, oh, we should be doing this. You know, and it's like, you know, like I've, I've turned, I've become the old guy on the set now. You know, and it's like a lot of you know younger people don't want to hear what I have to say. That's something that we've been talking about to people a lot about how it's hard to get across to the younger generation, those folks that are coming up. Like, look, this is the way we need to do things. Right. And yeah. my my question to you on that point is, how important do you think it is your role in terms of sort of training and educating those people that are coming up, those people that work underneath you. It's everything. It's everything. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, I, you know, and I'm, you know, admittedly, you know, the, the guys I, I train and bring up, I'm, I'm tough on them. Right. You know, and especially our, our, our you know, brothers of color. Right. You know, I, I tell brothers who, young brothers come work for me, I'm like, bruh, you're going to hate me. Okay. But when you're all said and done, 
you're going to love me. When, right. you, when you're gone and you're doing your own thing and you're a key grip and stuff like that, you're going to remember the, the stuff I taught you. Yeah. You know, and, and but the thing about training young men of color is that I tell them, I said, we don't have any leeway in this business. We have to be better. And whether that, you know, that might ruffle some feathers, maybe people don't want to hear that, that's the truth. Right. You know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I, I drill that into their heads and, you know, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm tough at times. I admit it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you'll be better. You'll be better grips for it. People yeah, be safer. Exactly. And people and and once they find out who you studied under or who taught you, they're going to think they're going to be, oh, Bobby Thomas. So you must know what you're doing. You would hope they think that. Right. You would hope they think that. Yeah. I mean, because most of everything that we do, I, I don't think there's a, almost not a single position or department in our business that you're not learning on the job. Like, you yeah. show up, you, you get an opportunity, um, and a lot of times you really don't know, you know, this from that, and you just got to learn on the job, and... I struggle with that, you know, because I'm getting to a point where there's a younger crop of uh, people on set, and I I come from that sort of tough mentality, mm-hmm. and I want to tell them straight. It's like, yeah. yo, you need to understand how to do the job, no if ands, buts about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and you need to do it's it. It's not a game, man. It's not a game. It's no. like people could, pe- people could die doing what we do. Yes. You know, it's like you got people on, you know. You're doing motorcycle stuff. You're doing car stuff. You're doing, helicopter, you know. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Thank God they're drones now. Then they kind of take in the helicopter. The helicopter, the, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, because helicopters always, helicopter shoots always made me nervous. Yeah. yeah. But, but, um, yeah, man, safety, you know, it's like everybody's got to go home in one piece, man. Exactly. And there's, and I, I, my, whenever I do a safety meeting, the, the last thing I say is like, none of this means anything if no one th- th- no. doesn't get a chance to go home. Mm-mm. Because, First of all, I don't want to be sitting in front of twelve people, asking me mm-hmm. why this happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and hey, man, you know, snowfall was a safety challenge. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and you know, I, several times I've had to put my foot down there. That you know, it's like, and it wasn't. A lot of times, it wasn't popular. You know, it's like, but sorry, everybody. Went <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, everybody. Went yeah, home. But, but at the end of the day, we got we got the shot. Exactly. You know, it, we, you know, everything looked great. You know, and everybody was happy with the product, and, yeah. and you know, and everybody went home. Yeah, and you wouldn't be, you would not have been doing your job, right. If you didn't say anything, no, right, no. And that's the thing that, like, a lot of, you know, younger key grips, they have to be able, to, willing to step in and say no sometimes. Right. You know, it's like, no, we can't do that, and you know, give give the reason why. Right. You know, but you know, it's like, and that, you know what, you really should never be un- in that situation if you prepare properly. Mm. You know, if you do the work during prep. You know, and it's like you're, you you cut and you have the you know you take the time, you know, to look at all the, the potential hazards and what could happen and this right. and that. You get to get together with your stunt coordinator and all the all the people involved and don't rush the process. Right. You know, then you know then accidents won't happen. Well, they actually always happen, but you, you know, they, yeah. yeah. But do yeah. you do you feel like productions are giving crews enough prep time? Because I mean, I've I've been hearing <laughs> absolutely not. Really? No. Yeah. We we can always use more prep. Yes. We could always. always, I mean, we could always use more prep. I mean, mm-hmm. you, can, you can prep to your heart's content, but do you feel like productions are not getting the prep time that they need? It depends on what we're shooting. You know, it depends on, you know, the, the logistics of, you know, what we're going, you know, if we're, if we're in a room, you know, some bedrooms in a neighborhood and stuff like that, and it's not, you know, it's cut and dry and stuff. But, you know, if we get a little more, 
you know, and you know, get stuff that's a you know a lot more detailed and more you know yeah. more at risk. Then yeah, you got to take the time to, to do that right. Yeah, like car chases, right. car car yeah. accidents, and, that, and that's the challenge with you know episodic television because you're you're on a schedule, right? And you know you you only have you have only have so much prep time, right? You know, but you have to pay attention to those important things. You can't skip over. You know, yeah. you, can't, you know you can't you can't skip over any steps when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. You know? What so what's the craziest stunt you've ever done? I mean, there was so many on Sons of Anarchy. It just there's just so much motorcycle stuff, and you know, on on Sons of Anarchy, we we had um, a motorcycle. A, we had a camera motorcycle that had a side hack. There was actually two of them. Mm-hmm. We had one with a, a right side hack and one with a left side hack, and, and we'd a guy on a motorcycle, and he would have this little buggy cart next to him. It's like a little platform, right, right, speed rail cage and stuff, and you would, we would put two operators. In oh, that, wow. and they and he would be zipping through, you know, all the mo- motorcycles and stuff like that, where guys would handheld, you know, you know, hold, holding that. That was pretty, got to be pretty hairy yeah, at times, I you know. But we had to like, you know, plan that out quite a bit. Right. Um, who was driving the uh, Who was driving the uh, motorcycle? Uh, well, it's a, a gentleman named Steve Halliday. He he owned. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, he well yeah he well he was a mo- motorcycle motor he specifically did that. Okay. You know, and um, I figured. I mean, so that seemed pretty. Yeah, that was his company. That was his. You yeah. know, that that was. You know, he owned those two bikes, and and that's what he did exclusively. Nice. And um, yeah, I mean, he, and he was he was you know he was great. I mean, he was he was awesome at what he did. And, right. you know, he would he would, you know, push the envelope and stuff, but not you know too much. But, right. You know, and then and you know we had actors who you know, once they could do it. Once <laughs> well, once they got comfortable on their bikes because mm-hmm. some of them didn't even know how to ride when we first started oh wow um you know ron perlman <laughs> don't, don't i'm sorry ron um, <laughs> uh, he you know he didn't really wasn't dig, didn't dig the bikes at all right. and um you know he had he fell down a few times oh wow and uh i nicknamed him fell boy because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Ron. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was like wasn't fast. It wasn't. He wasn't moving fast. Right. It was like one of those things where he's going really slow. He's turning, turning, turning. He's going too slow, and it just <laughs> <laughs> you know. And after a while, we had to create this um, this this mock up where he was like it, you would just see him, and we would put him on a um, a picture car. Right. You okay. know, and like, we would just offset him, and he, we would just you know film him from here. It was a cowboy. Right. And you know he would just we for the wide stuff we just have a double, okay. you know. But the rest of the guys were like thought they were like evil Knievel. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie Hunnam, you know, it's like Tom, Tom, <laughs> you know Fl- Tommy Flanagan. It's like those guys. It's like they you know, they were aggressive with their riding. You know, yeah. they they thought they were in a real biker gang. <laughs> I mean, they like they, yeah yes very, very a lot of methanatic on that show. And um, yeah, so it's just I think just on a whole that that was crazy, you know, you know, and then that was just like a lot of guns, a lot of, a lot of fights, stuff like that. We did a lot of lot of crazy stunts on um, Terminal List, you know, that show almost killed me. Really? I actually had a, I had a mini stroke on that on that show. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was because of the show. Or? Well, it was very stressful. Right. right. Um, and um, and it was at a time when it was right after COVID. Right. And, you know, where it's like everybody was working and it was hard to get crew. Right. So I was doing, a, it was a big show. It was the biggest show Amazon had ever done. Right. And I was doing it with like four or five permits every day. Ooh. Because there was nobody available. Right, right. So wow. so that was, you know, I was I was teaching on the fly while I'm doing this big, big show. show. So right. I was like, yeah, it was a lot to handle. That's like half your crew, four or five people, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, nobody's available. Yeah, four, five, half your crew is just wow. all green. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah, that yeah. is, that is, ooh, yeah. that is And that show is like, basically, we're, we're, you know, it, it was it was the toughest filming I've ever done. It's like we were in, in tough location, Malibu Creek. Um, we were, we did um, seven nights in, in, in the tank at Paramount in uh, knee-deep water. Yeah, you know, for seven straight nights. Oh, really? Yeah, and we and that's that was that was mentally really tough because it, it, we, they built these caves, uh-huh. and you know we were in this darkness and stuff like that in this water, and it's like it it kind of it, it mentally it was very very difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just just a you know a lot of explosions, a lot a lot of cars flipping and and stuff like that. You know, just you name it, we we did it on that show. Uh, that's that's a weird. I I, I shot um, Congo. In the uh, in the tank at at uh, Paramount, mm-hmm. and on the backside was crazy. They were shooting um, Vampire in Brooklyn. Oh yeah, I, I worked I worked on that. Get out of here! Yeah, you might have seen. I day played on it. I didn't. Yeah, yeah, you might have seen us on the other yeah, side. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we're right on, we're right on the back lot. Yeah, there. exactly. Mm-hmm. And I remember. I I know how the, the scary part because we had those we had fake um, we had animatronic. Um, Hippos, right? So you know, right, hippos, right. So the hippos are attacking, and my ass is—I'm in the back, and I'm holding this boat, and my foot gets stuck in one of the fucking hippo things, and that motherfucker starts to move. So all of a sudden, <laughs> you see me—you see me in dailies. <laughs> I jump up, and they're like, "Cut! Well, you all right?" I was like, "Yeah, my foot is stuck," and they're like, "Okay." Uh, let's get you out of and there. And that's how people get hurt. Yeah, that's well, how people you know, like, get hurt. Exactly. I, yeah. How do you like to um, put together your teams? Like, is there um, a group of guys that you like, or a group of people that you like to work with, or is there types that you like? You know, Um, well, there's certain strengths that you're looking for when you put your team together. Well, I mean, it's like I'm a very loyal guy. Um, You know, it's like my core has been with me for a long time. You know, Lee Winborn, my my rigging key. um, He's, you know, he was a, a, a hammer on Sons of Anarchy. So it's like we go way back. Um, and you know he's fantastic at what he does. Um, you know it's like, you know as long as you have a core, best boy dolly grip, B dolly grip, and and rigging key. You know as long as you have that solidified. You know and I've had you know I've had the same group of guys for a long time. The main thing when I'm putting a crew together is chemistry. You know it's like, you know you can have the best you know, grips in the world. It's like, if they don't get along, then, you know, you're not, then you don't it's have not a problem. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, and also, too, you know, my crews have always been organically diverse. You know, that's not something that, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, hire only brothers or hire only this or hire only that. It's kind of just been natural. It's like, you know, the people I've, I've brought together. And so it's, you know, it, it, but chemistry is the thing. Look, we're together more than with our families. Yes. And, you know, if you don't get along and don't enjoy the people you're around, it makes for a real long day. Yeah, you know, so it's like, yeah, chemistry. I think is number one for me. I don't want to stereotype the grip department, but <laughs> it's very often. But I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, but bear it, with me as it, I do. It's, exactly. it's very often a bunch of dudes, you know. And oh, but, I, I have. And, yeah, and I have. how do you how do you deal with a you know big egos, burly? <laughs> knuckleheaded dudes. I mean, you know, I've, I've had I've had female grips too. I mean, so it's that are big burly knuckleheaded females. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but you know, well, but, you get well, what I'm saying. But, uh, but I get that's that's just stereotype. Like um, one of my uh, crew uh, members, Joel. I don't know. You remember Pep? Yeah. Call him Pep. Yeah. yeah. You know, Pep's a screenwriter. Screenwriter. 
you know, he's like he write oh, pilots right. and stuff like that. You know, he's you know he's one of the most you know interesting and smart dudes you ever want to be around. Right. You know, um, but my grips, I don't think adhere to those kind of stereotypes. I, you know, they're 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 kind of you know. It's an interesting group, but I don't think any of them are typically, stereotypically grips. I guess probably a better question for me to ask then is, how would you describe the type of people that work well? Like what sort of attributes give people an advantage working in your department? Paying attention. Number one, pay attention. You know, be, be you know, don't, don't just turn off. Don't sit there on your phone or walk off set and then every time I need you, just, just stay engaged. You know, it's like, you don't, I mean, I don't even necessarily need you to, like, ha have a plethora of knowledge. I mean, it's like, as long as you have a good attitude and you're paying attention, that, that's, you know, you're, you're ahead of the game. You know, it's like, you know, because I was always taught coming up, it's like, be on set and always be in the eye, eye shot of the key grip. Right. You know, and also develop a set ear. You know, it's like, you, you know, if you, if you hear what the director and the DP and AD is all talking about, then you can anticipate what's coming. Yeah. See, that's 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 the biggest thing with what we do is anticipate what's coming exactly. and be ready. I mean, and it's like, and if you're engaged and you you know you're paying attention, you know, then you know, that's that's when things just flow. You know, and that and that's that's very important to me. You know, you know, speed and efficiency, man. I'm I'm an efficiency nut. You know, it's like I you know when when guys are not engaged, they're not efficient, and they're usually not with me very long. And what do you, what do you say to people who think that grips who are just Basically, muscle. On well, you set really carpet. have a like. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I worked. Look, look. I've worked as a grip. And and my. You no, know, Brian and I. First time we met, we was about to fight. Really? <laughs> oh yeah! I forgot about that. No, you didn't. No, I, no, I swear to God, I did. No, remind me. Remind me. The, the, what, the van. What the van. Us? It was at the van, loading in the vans. We were like loading in, and we were going up to the the um, the the house in the oil fields. Yes. Go, okay. Over, over right. At, uh, yeah. Right. Right. Oh, and you, that's right. And you were like, "We need to go." Right. And I'm like, "I need to load this van." <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, we were yeah. like, we were, uh, there was like one extra seat left. Yeah. I'm like, man. <laughs> I'm like, and we were like, and this was a, it was like a, like a 15, 20 minute ride. Yeah. Up, yeah. Up, up and I'm not. Yeah. I'm not even gonna justify. I'm not even gonna justify whatever I was. What, but you know, but that's the thing. You know, we're all under pressure. Yeah, you know, right. it's like you know, it's like I, I, I wouldn't want that job. Yeah, you know, it's like I, you know, I, you know, I mean, I've, I've watched my son toil as as a PA man. Yeah. It's like you know, ah, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't envy <laughs> none at all. You know, but you know, but everybody's got pressure from all these other places. You yeah, know, my yeah. pressure is, it's like you know, I got to get up there. Yeah. Right. I got to get there on the set. We got to get going. What's going on? Blah, blah, exactly. You know, because yeah. the most important part of your day is the beginning of it. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's the way I think. Yeah. Because if you don't get ahead of it in the beginning, yeah. you're always yeah. trying to catch up. Yeah. And then you know, it's always been ingrained into me that you know, if you're not 30 minutes early, you're late. Exactly. That's. I mean, I I tell my son that over and over again. And, you know, like a lot of the younger kids don't really get that no. it's business. Or you know, or they're ready to leave as soon as you call rap. And we've had this discussion on, yeah, <laughs> we've had discussion where like, you know, it's like, no, you don't, you're not leaving yet. Mm -hmm. we, let's talk about tomorrow. Let's get prepared. Right. It's like, yeah, and it's, it, it's, it's a different, it's a different um, mindset. Now. Yeah, I, I would say for any young folks out there that might be listening to what the heck we're talking about, rap means that 
we start to wrap. Rap. It's, 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 it doesn't right. mean it's the, the day thing. is over. Right. Yeah, right. Right. You know, yeah, exactly. you we wrapped our shooting day. Yes. Yeah. That means we start to wrap, mm-hmm. and we finished whenever we say we're finished. I, I always have the same answer. When somebody asks me, hey, when are we going to be done? I said, when we're done. Good answer. I mean, I, I don't know when that's going to be. Right. You know, but 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 you'll know. Right. <laughs> yeah. You'll be going. To well, and also too, that's another thing that you know when my when my son first started in this business, you know, the, the days were 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 challenging for him. Yeah. You know, and you know he wasn't used to working those long hours and stuff like that. You know, and you know he would get like you know punchy and kind of you know like we you know we all do we get tired. But, but that's but the thing he never ever showed that. No, no. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, that's my boy. Right, right, right. right, right, <laughs> you right. Know? But in my but the thing is though, you know, it's like what I would always tell him. I said just like as long as it, the one thing that you have to think about and the coping me- mechanisms that you have to have in long hours is that you got to know the day will eventually be finished. Right. No matter how long it is, we will be done. <laughs> exactly. You know, this you know, you sometimes you think oh this is never going to end. Right. You know, but it will end, right? And that's what you always have to tell in your mind. That's 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 what I do. Do you do you watch the, the programs you work on? Uh, it depends. Mm-hmm. It depends. Um, you know, I watched a lot of Snowfall because you know I was I was definitely, you know, I wanted to see how everything looked. Right. You know, and um, the great thing that Tom that that Maddox does is that you know he would send Justice and I um, stills. Oh, okay. You know, and it's like, you know, just to see our work. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, and then, you know, the great thing about Maddox is that, you know, it's a collaboration. Yes. You know, it's like, even though it may be his vision, it's like, you know, he's very, you know, he, it's, he, he includes everybody. Right. And I think that's great. And that, that's why it's, it, he's, it's, it's nice to work with him. All right. So Abby's up. So, Mr. Thomas, who would you like to hear or see? In that chair that you're in right now. Uh, well, Jenny Denton, who who works, who I I work with a lot. She's awesome. She's fantastic. Um, she's she's been on our my crew a number of times, and she's also key, she keyed um, better things that FX show better things. That, yeah, uh, yeah. She was a key on that. Oh, nice. Um, you know, she's 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 awesome. Um, we got to give my man Justin Dixon on here for sure. Okay. Um, um, you know, and also get you know somebody like um, Jerry Wilson. Uh, Rick and Gaffer, ah, you know, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, he's, sure. he, 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 he's, he's a funny guy and very knowledgeable and, uh, you know, very experienced and, uh, yeah. you know, he'd be a good guy to have. Okay. A good conversationalist. Yeah. Another good guy is Armando Salas. He's another DP. Um, he was a DP on Terminalist. Okay. Another very talented guy. Cool. You know. Good job. All right. Martini's up. So what is Bobby Thomas watching on TV, movies? College football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no TV, no film. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I live in a household where, you know, I'm, I am, excuse me, honey, um, <laughs> f- like forced to watch a lot of Desperate Housewives and, you know, a lot of 90 Day Fiance. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I don't always have control over what's on the television, you know, in my own house, you know, and then it's like when I do have it, it's usually, it's usually on college, it's usually on football, especially, especially this time of year. Right. And it's USC. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, I'm a big, you know, House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones fan. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm... Is that coming? Well... It's supposed to come out next year. Yeah. You know, I mean... Everything's I, coming out I love that. Now. I love that genre. Right. Know, you know, swords and... Have you been... Have you watched... Um, I mean, it's not Game of Thrones caliber, um, but Wheel of Time? I tried... With that, you know, it's like I, I, I couldn't get through the first episode. It was, oh. you know, I mean, I, I want to go, I want to try it again. 
you know, and I, I, I don't often, you know, I'll, if something doesn't grab me at first, I'll give it another shot, but I haven't given it another shot yet. Yeah, it, it has that sort of um, Xena, warrior, princess sort of action, mm-hmm. you know, feel like television. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels more like TV than... Right. The HBO, mm-hmm. um, or what, what would you call that, prestige television? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Amazon's working on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, one um, really good uh, director I worked with on the Santa Clarita Diet, um, Gita Patel, um, she's one of the, uh, she, she's, she, she did uh, an episode of H- House of the Dragon last season. A- awesome episode, and I think she's doing two of them this, this season. So I'm All right. looking forward to seeing her work. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. I think we got it. That's a wrap? Yeah, question man. mark? Yeah, no. No? no okay, that's no. a wrap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thanks, you know, Bobby. <laughs> There's a key group I got to ask. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't just like, hey, guys, we're done. <laughs> no, today <laughs> you, you get to call it. You get to call it. All right. Bobby Thomas, everybody. Good. Thank thanks for having much, me, guys. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. You. I was honored that you asked me. Well, that was Bobby Thomas. That was a great talk with Bobby. I yeah, enjoyed yeah, it. definitely. Thank you, Bobby. Appreciate you, brother. So next week we have uh, your boy, Vinny J. Vinny J. Uh, people are going to get tired of me saying, how many times are you going to reference Ali? Well, that's where I met Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> and Vinny J is a standby painter. And really an uh, integral part to making movies. And uh, he'll explain exactly what a standby painter does. Sounds great. So if you like the show, hit the subscribe button, follow us, and appreciate you hanging with us. I'm BC. I'm Spoon. And uh, we'll see you on the next one.